AFCON 2010. The trade show that you know where affiliates always attend for free makes its way to Denver June 21st through 23rd. Register today at AFFCON2010.com. AFCON 2010 is different from those other affiliate trade shows designed for the affiliate manager, where you can pay up to $1,500 just on a single registration. That's why AFCON 2010 offers you an alternative, a show that's free for affiliates, not to mention over 80% of our attendees are affiliates. AFCON 2010 brings you a wide range of sessions, essential for significant affiliate marketing achievement. Plus, we are proud to be working with Search Engine Strategies to present an additional day of all new search engine marketing sessions and tracks. Add unbeatable nighttime networking capped off by WebmasterRadio.fm's annual affiliate bash, and you have the complete affiliate trade show experience for free. Join the thousands in the affiliate marketing community that are making the switch to AFCON 2010, the trade show that's free for all affiliates. June 21st through 23rd in Denver. Register today at AFFCON2010.com. That's AFFCON2010.com. WebmasterRadio.fm Feel you're getting the most out of your current affiliate marketing program? Find out as today's top advertisers and publishers unite on the all-new Affiliate Marketing Today. Join your hosts, Commission Junction's Advertiser Account Director, Kim Dossell, and Publisher Business Development Manager, Brian Caldwell, as they share valuable insights on promoting strategic relationships, discuss the state of the industry, and offer you a rare glimpse into the minds of today's top players. See how to get the most out of your affiliate marketing program now as we present the all-new Affiliate Marketing Today, the industry's only broadcast, offering unique perspectives of both advertisers and publishers. Now, here are your hosts, Kim Dossell. And Brian Caldwell. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Affiliate Marketing Today uh, with your co-hosts here, Kim Dalzell and Brian Caldwell. Uh, as a review, I, I am the advertiser side, and Brian is actually the publisher side. And uh, for those of you who didn't tune into our last show, last week we um, did an, an overview of affiliate marketing, and today we're going to do more of a Deep di- or deeper dive into publisher models. So Brian will probably be doing most of the talking. He is <laughs> I hope, on the publisher I hope side. Not. This is a two-way uh, interaction, Kim. <laughs> Don't put me on the spot now. <laughs> so hopefully we'll be going. We'll do a little bit of back and forth. I promise. But yeah, so Brian is on the publisher side and should be talking a little bit more about the publisher models. We hope. <laughs> um, but uh, I did want to tell everybody that if you do have any questions or comments about today's show or last week's show or anything else in the future or you just want to get in touch with us, please send us an email at podcast at cj.com, and that's with an S, so P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at cj.com. So uh, I think we wanted to talk a brief in- briefly about, you know, publishers and their, their models, so... I think I'll just start off with talking about the the uh, major models, which are websites. Well, I think maybe even before we go there, just as a, an introduction, we wanted to just remind everybody what uh, affiliate marketing is basically a pay-for-performance model, right? And it's creating an online channel to sell a product. Uh, advertisers are forming relationships with publishers to sell products and services. And the reason that we wanted to talk about the publisher models today is really because the publishers, at the end of the day, are the ones that are driving the traffic. Um, and advertisers 
also need to have a very thorough understanding of the publisher models so that they can make the best selection and choices for their particular needs, right? Right, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, sometimes there, because there are so many different publisher models out there, the advertisers don't know enough about them, so they, they tend to shy away from the ones that they're not familiar with. So hopefully, um, with this show, we can get, out, get the message out there to advertisers that there are several different models, but they all drive revenue or leads or sales um, for them in just different, different manners. Exactly. And it's going to be you know, different quality of, of leads and sales and different quantity of, of or volume on a monthly basis of leads and sales. Uh, and also, so all of you publishers out there in the audience have a, an understanding of maybe what um, other models that you might want to try. I mean, it's always a really good idea to diversify your business, um, both on the advertiser and the publisher side of things. So um, from a publisher standpoint, maybe you're really good at uh, designing and building a, a, the infrastructure for a website, and um, you're not really sure about how to go about building a member base so you can do email as well. Um, and from the advertiser standpoint, uh, you know, I would imagine, Kim, that all the advertisers you work with are interested in diversifying as well, right? Yes, they are. And I think, you know, as I said before, I think some of them get confused as to what the, all the models are. And, um, you know, some of them are a little, are a little bit scary. And I, I think one thing we didn't, I didn't mention at the beginning of the show is that we typically segment our shows into three sections, beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And I think that the advanced section is probably going to be talking about, we'll be talking about more of those um, those models that advertisers sometimes have to be convinced to work with those specific types of publishers. And, and why is that? That's, is it because there's a perceived risk of some sort, or is yeah, it simply it's a, lack of knowledge, a combination of all of the above? I, I'd say it's a combination. Sometimes it's, it's the risk, and sometimes, you know, I, the ones that we classify in there are software applications and email and ad networks. Uh, those those are can be risky. They can, they feel like there's not a lot of they don't have a lot of control. And um, there's also some laws that are surrounding those. So um, whenever you you know say anything about a, a law. It, a lot of times advertisers feel like they have to bring in their legal department, and we don't want that to happen. So <laughs> This is true. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's just dive into the first section. Again, this is the beginning, um, the beginner's overview. And you were leading us off earlier with uh, websites, right? Right, right. So there, I think there's a couple different kinds that we should probably talk about. Um, the first one being content. I think that's one that, e- that people – content, and then um, we should talk about – Comparison shopping, coupons and, and coupons and deals. Those are the three, in my mind, that are very familiar to advertisers. Um, that's what they usually associate affiliate marketing with. And it's probably the most familiar to consumers as well, because once you get into the, the more tricky uh, av- uh, publisher models, those are less evident to, to the consumer as well. So, um, all right, well, let's, let's take a look at what content sites are all about. Um, you know, from, from my perspective, uh, these are publishers that are very good at um, really aggregating different types of specific content that would be of interest to consumers and would naturally attract those consumers based on the, the, the content itself uh, that they want to consume. So things like news stories or ratings sites or maybe product reviews, uh, anything really that... Um, yeah, it can be delivered 
through a browser. <laughs> right, and I, 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 the ones that the content sites that I've found that are successful, or for, the advertisers find successful, are you know around mortgages or finance. Um, a lot of times, consumers go to sites where they want to learn more about a mortgage or more about anything in the sort of the financial realm because it can it can tend to be a little bit tricky to 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 get um, financing for a loan or things like that or when you're buying a car. So so the content sites um, then can have advertisers, banners or links, or there can be, you know, pop-ups or pop-unders that are triggered when um, the consumer goes there and they're reading the content, but then they get, they get in, um, they have the ability to go to another site to get more information, which is then generating a lead or a sale. Right. So really, at the end of the day, we're talking about publishers who are um, subject matter experts and know how to generate content that consumers are going to be interested in in that um, that vertical specialty niche, right? So I guess a good example of a content set in that sense would be uh, About.com. I would imagine that most of the people listening here are pretty familiar with About.com. They've been around for a while now, and they do a really good job of aggregating through their um, hundreds and hundreds of, of subject matter expert writers lots of content that's of interest in a very you know, vertically oriented uh, niche format uh, what the consumers are interested in, in finding out more about. And so in that sense, they can do what you said earlier, which is uh, you know, place banners and, and so on that are contextually relevant to the content itself in the hopes that as somebody comes in to read about mortgages, they might be you know, interested in, in pursuing a new mortgage, and maybe they would click through to one of our advertisers like Lower My Bills. Right. Exactly, exactly. And I, I think, you know, sometimes content sites are, are tricky for people to understand, um, especially from a consumer perspective. They go and they're, they're reading content and then they sort of wonder why the, the ad is there. But it is to, to, bring the, to give them more information. So what we try and get is the advertiser to help the, the publisher to, to give them more, you know, more content for their content site. So give them more information that's relevant to whatever that particular topic is. That's a really interesting point because these publishers are really not out necessarily to promote a specific advertiser. They're there to provide the information. And, oh, by the way, that provides them a way of monetizing that traffic. Right, right. So another similar, you know, type of a content site would be virtual malls. You know, they're very, very similar to content sites, but they're much more focused on the retail side of things. Yeah, and I, and I think that leads us into, you know, malls leads us into comparison shopping, which is really our second uh, type of, of uh, website that we were going to talk about today. Um, comparison shopping sites, I know we talked about in our last show, those are sites that you can go to and actually it aggregates data from multiple retailers. So if you're going on to a site, a comparison shopping site, and you look at, you're looking for a camera, you could search for a specific type of camera, and it, that site's going to tell you how much that camera can cost at multiple different advertisers. So, you know, it'll tell you it costs $100 at Circuit City and $99 at Best Buy and so on and so forth. So you as the consumer can then decide where you want to go buy, your, buy that camera. Exactly. So, um, and uh, the data is being provided through kind of more, uh, more advanced techniques of, of importing product catalogs or data feeds. Um, but at the end of the day, that information is provided to the consumer in a user interface that's wrapped around unique functionality that's provided by individual um, publishers in this space. 
I mean, biz rate is going to be different than a price runner type of a comparison site, right? So if price runner is out there, one of the functionalities that they um, that they specialize in is, is really providing the very lowest price regardless of how much uh, action they might earn from a conversion off the back end. So it's kind of unique in that sense. And they also aggregate offline content. Right. I mean, that, that is one of the ideal things about price runners. They do actually have, quote-unquote, price runners who go out into the stores and look at what is the price for a specific product um, in, in a store so that they can post that on the web. I love that concept. They did something special for, for Valentine's Day, I think, or maybe it was Christmas, but, uh, where they had price runners go up to the North Pole. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Um, Find okay. out what Santa was doing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What else can we say about comparison shopping? So, um, and then, you know, along with shopping, again, most of these are surrounding, sh- surrounding shopping in general, um, which I know later on we'll be getting into more of the lead space. But um, coupons and deals is, is the other one that we should, we should talk about. Um, this is one I think that most consumers, this is where most consumers go or where they're driven to go when they go online is they're all, most consumers are looking for the best deal. So coupon and deal sites like um, Fat Wallet, 24-7 Malls, all those are out there aggregating all of the deals. And quite frankly, they usually go to advertisers and ask for specific coupons or specific deals that are exclusive to them so that they can get the best consumers. And, you know, so obviously these are going to be attractive to advertisers. Um, Are there any specific things you can think of that advertisers provided, you know, kind of above and beyond the call of duty to to attract a relationship with uh, coupons and deal sites? Yeah, and, and you know, like I put I think, you on the spot or anything. Yeah, no, giving them a specific coupon code that's that's only exclusive just to them, so that a consumer has to go back to, you know, for example, a fat wallet to get that specific deal. Um, that always um, that always help. That the publishers are always looking, from my experience, are always looking for that, and and a lot of advertisers are able to give that to them, or to give them um, anything that they're trying to liquidate. So if they have a specific model of TV that they're trying to liquidate and they have, you know, thousands of them, giving that to a coupon and deal site and having them put it up there for an hour or two hours can sometimes get rid of a lot of their extra inventory. Yeah, that's a great idea. I actually like that. Uh, and also kind of along that line, if, um, if an advertiser is able to put together and work with RSS feeds, I know that uh, a lot of our publishers have been really interested in getting uh, feeds uh, specifically for um, product deals and coupons and so on, because they can take that feed and, as I said earlier, kind of manipulate that into a really um, neat user interface that differentiates themselves in the marketplace. Um, but at the end of the day, is providing consumers with those special coupon deals. Right, and they they also they can also do uh, provide them with a you know a banner that rotates. So if they have multiple deals, they can rotate they can rotate a banner on that you know, a coupon and deal site and get rid of more inventory or be able to promote different types of deals. We're able to do, we're able to do that as well. Well, let's do this. Uh, it looks like we're, we're at a point where our advertisers, <laughs> our sponsors, are, are hungry for some money. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back to continue talking about uh, not only content sites, but we're going to move into uh, how search marketers work. Be right back. You're just minutes away from more Affiliate Marketing Today. Stay tuned.
You're brilliant. Brilliant. At creating innovative ideas. Ideas. Building brand value and increasing customer loyalty. But when it comes to measuring, testing, and optimizing every online interaction, you need help. In the fast-changing new world of marketing, the web is where it's happening. Where it's happening. That's why a powerful online marketing performance management solution is the next major evolution for web trends and for you. Web trends. Web trends marketing lab. You bring the art, we'll deliver the science. Learn more now at webtrends.com. Finally, an easy way to advertise online. From planning to analysis and everything in between. Take control with trueadvertiser.xls. From True Effect. Now manage your entire ad serving experience with your Microsoft Excel workbook. Save time. Save money. Reduce training and easily control your data with TrueAdvertiser.xls from True Effect. Taking the mystery out of online advertising once and for all. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN-accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R. More than a name. Now, back to Affiliate Marketing Today, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host. Okay, welcome back to the show. This is Affiliate Marketing Today with Kim Dalzell and Brian Caldwell from Commission Junction. Um, we were just talking about, well, this show is all about the, an overview of publisher models, and we were just talking about um, content sites and got up to a certain point in the discussion, and I think next we want to talk uh, by leading off with uh, incentive sites, which is an interesting model that's you know, it's relatively new. It's been out for a few years now, but it's, um, it could be even called a bit contentious about how they market themselves, the publishers, that, that is. Yeah, but I, I, think, I uh, see this Kim, is you, one you that's scary for advertisers. What's that? This is one that's kind of scary for advertisers. <laughs> I was just going to say, you can give me the, the advertiser's <laughs> perspective on that. Um, it's, it's, in our defense, the publishers, that is, I, I think it's, it's scary for an, a good reason um, because the, the quality of the traffic can be a bit lower. But if you're an advertiser that is, is really trying to ramp up traffic um, and have a really broad appeal, then it's actually great traffic. Mm-hmm. But maybe we should talk a, a little bit how it, about how it works. Um, Basically, incentive sites are, are designed to compel visitors to fill out leads or to purchase items in order uh, to receive a reward of some type on, on the back end. So I fill out a lead, and I receive a free iPod. Free. Right. I mean, or like a free Home Depot card or something like that, right? Exactly, or a free cash card of some sort. It could be you know, cash products, could be points even. You know, so uh, receive 10 points for uh, filling out a lead form. And, you know, I think you mentioned it's contentious for advertisers. I totally understand that. Um, maybe you want to go into some of the details about why it would be contentious, though. I, I think that advertisers are, are sometimes afraid of the quality of the leads, and they're afraid that um, their name gets out there in the, in the wrong sense. That, that's where I have found it. Although I found it worked, it has worked well with, as you stated, 
advertisers who are dr- trying to generate some some quick traffic, trying to get uh, lots of leads, um, and then have the ability to filter them very well in the back end. Yeah, that that, that actually a really, is a really good point because um, if you're set up to uh, drink from the fire hose, but <laughs> you you can't do anything with that after you've done so. Uh, in other words, you don't have the filtering in place, or you don't have the uh, call centers in place to try and close leads or to process sales, et cetera, and you know handle any sort of return actions that might be occurring. Then um, you might want to look at some other other uh, business models. Right, and I one thing we didn't mention at the beginning is typically incentive sites are for just lead gen. They're they're usually not for products that are generate a sale for the for the most part. Would you agree? Yeah, that's that's a really good point. That's generally true. Leads and or um, free trial offers. I've, I mean, incentive sites are fantastic to get a new product ramped up because you're really trying to build your 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 uh, consumer base as fast as possible, so you can uh, you know grab the grab the real estate out there in the market, um, while at the same time, um, let me pause there. Don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> That's okay. Um, why don't we uh, move on to our next section, which would be um, or talk about loyalty and reward sites. I think this is another place that uh, I find advertisers love to be at, especially the big brands, because they they associate loyalty sites with having the demographics that that they're typically looking for. Um, you know, loyalty sites I classify as like a you promise or Ebates. Um, I was trying to think of others. You probably can think of some others off the top of your head, Brian. Um, well, those two come to mind. I mean, there's also uh, GreenZap is another example. My points. Um, yeah, my points, of course. And the, the the bottom line here is that they're member. They're building a strong brand of their own, and they're building a very strong membership that is loyal. Hence the name loyalty <laughs> rewards. Right. Um, with, and they're building their member base based on a promise of a reward for an action. So if you stay loyal to us, us being the publisher, then for every consumer action that you, you take, buying a product, filling out a lead form, we will reimburse you in some way. And, and generally comes in the form of points and or direct rebates. Uh, could be cash, could be web cash. Um, the points can be exchanged for merchandise or used in future purpose purchases. Right. I, I think the one that I that I personally use a lot is you promise because I I do have two kids and I have to send them to college at some point, <laughs> and so I tend to do most of my shopping online through you promise because you promise is going to put whatever you know percentage that they're getting cash cash back on into my children's 529 plan. So, um, and I I believe that, you know, you promises has actually built a really strong brand online and offline. Um, and so people are continuously coming back to them. I would, I would imagine that the advertisers are really attracted to that type of a model as well because, you know, it, it's got to be really nice to be able to step up and say, yes, we've helped X number of people send their kids to Harvard. <laughs> wherever it might be. Hopefully my kids will be going to Harvard. But. Maybe you're a Boston youth person. I don't know. <laughs> um. But, yeah, I, I, the, you're right. The, the advertisers do like the, um, they do like the, lo- the loyalty 
um, sites because of the because the loyalty sites are building their own brand as well, and I think they feel like if they're building a brand, they're going to be less likely to. I don't even know if doing the wrong thing is is the right terminology, but they're they're they feel like they're work, working. They'll be more likely to work with them as a partner. Um, additionally, I think the demographics are also what appeals to them. A lot of times, it's it's a lot of. Um, high-end shopping people because they're doing a lot of shopping online because they're getting that cash back or those points or whatever. Sure. So it typically is a, a higher-end shopper. And I know from the publisher perspective, they like to feel as though they're helping the advertiser um, really b- build their brand but um, focus on customer retention for you know, large shopping sites or, or sites or, or uh, advertisers that might have a really large number of products or promotions going on. Right, you're absolutely right. So, and this also this model ties into the software model, which we'll talk about in more depth later in this program. Uh, but a lot of the loyalty rewards uh, vendors, or pro- excuse me, publishers are going to be using software downloads, right? Which right, they are, and, and and that's mainly to do some to do tracking so that the the consumer knows that they are going to get their points or their dollars or what, whatever that type of reward is coming back to them, that, went, that they, they are going to get it when they go to that particular site. Sure, and I, I think it's important to, to note for those advertisers that might shy away from that concept that you know, this is, these are not drive-by downloads. These, these loyal members choose to download the software and to use it because of the whole uh, value proposition presented by the loyalty rewards publishers. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. So. Uh, all right, well, let's, let's take a look then at kind of web hosting and ISP, domain name service, publisher models. Uh, these are the folks, you know, you, you might have one of these sites yourself where you've come to a web host and the, the proposition is they're going to give you free site hosting and allow you to, to build your website um, as long as the uh, host provider is given the, the chance to place advertisements on your consumer site. Uh, or it might be pop-unders, might be pop-overs, um, but in some form, they'll, they'll have the opportunity to present uh, your site visitors with messages, advertising messages and offers that are controlled by the web hosting provider who's acting as the publisher in the affiliate sense. So, so I guess, let me just see if, this, if I get this right. So if I was to set up a site for, um, with pictures of my daughters and give that site to my friends to go to so that they could see them growing, um, then if I went to one of those sites where it says free host web hosting, I'm agreeing to allow them to put some sort of banners down the sides or allow right. pop-ups. So when my friends go there, they can also see other things where they could purchase, right? Yeah, exactly. So they'll come in and they'll, they'll see, your, see your cute little kids. Uh, at the same time, they'll get a chance to check out an offer from, I don't know, Vonage or something. Right, and, and sign up for their VOIP service. Right, okay. Um, and, and another part of the web hosting ISP domain name service model might include uh, those that are redirecting uh, consumer searches when a specific URL is entered incorrectly or misspelled, or not, maybe not even completely entered, but the domain host can see that incoming traffic and route the consumers with the misspelled uh, domain name to a, a page that actually has uh, advertising offers on it. So it's kind of incremental traffic in that sense. 
But if you think about it as a, from a web host perspective, if you've got millions of, of those misspellings going on a day, you might be able to convert a, a large number of those, uh, you know, at least a percent of point, percentage point or two. Right, and I, I think uh, I think a lot of times, aver- from an advertiser perspective, they they sometimes forget that there's multiple ways to spell their name, or things could be typed in incorrectly. Um, and I, I think we'll probably talk about that in our in our next segment, uh, which which we'll be talking about search. Yeah, um, that's, that's true. I mean, but to that point, you know, na- domain name redirecting is is really all about misspelled names. But I, you pointed out a, a really important thing, which is that advertisers uh, may not have every spelling of their domain name, and they may, or they may have, um, maybe their product is, a, is a, about a certain keyword type, and they haven't gone out and bought every domain name with that keyword in it. And so when a consumer enters a misspelling of a particular keyword that's associated with a product or service provided by one of our advertisers, then you know, our, our publishers have a chance to redirect that misspelled traffic to uh, an advertiser program in order to monetize that traffic instead of letting it to, go to waste. Ser- search. <laughs> you mentioned search. I, that's, that's, I led us a little bit into search. Yes, you mentioned <laughs> You did segue us. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think uh, search is one that, that uh, you know, along with websites, I think search is one that most, a lot of uh, consumers associate with affiliate marketing as well. Um, and really the three... I think big players are Google, Yahoo, and MSN. Yeah, you, you, you're exactly right. And I think um, ask.com uh, deserves to be out there as well. I'm hearing some really good things coming from their program. Yeah, and that, that used to be they ask Jeeves, but then they dropped the butler. They dropped the butler. No more Macy's parade balloons, unfortunately. <laughs> I wonder where that balloon went, by the way. <laughs> Might be an interesting one for a party. <laughs> but well, search engine optimization. All right. Well, search is, is split into two or three key um, segments, uh, depending on how you look at it. Um, the first is search engine optimization. The second is going to be paid search or search engine marketing, as some people call it, or SEM. And then the the third is really paid pace, paid placement, paid inclusion. Um, and so let's start with uh, search engine optimization because this is probably the one that uh, a lot of old school folks are going to remember back in the day is, hey, let's take a look at our keyword meta tags and stuff as many keywords as possible into that and, you know, let's, and that'll help our, our sites rank well, highly uh, in the search engine result pages for the major search engines. Right. right? And I, I think, uh, um, you know, it, people see this as quote-unquote free traffic. Right. And uh, just note, that is really old school, what I just mentioned. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Meta keywords doesn't really work so much anymore. You guys should uh, maybe pay attention to it, put one or two words in there, but it doesn't really matter. Um, the, the point of search engine optimization, however, is to control the, the factors that uh, the parameters that go into the building of your website, tags, title tags, uh, the content, uh, text content itself that's in, in the listings, the way you uh, lay out your site, the way you use your, your H tags and how you build your hrefs and your anchor text, et cetera, uh, navigation, um, all in such a way that essentially makes it easy for a search engine spider to uh, understand what the site is about and then index it every page and then rank it in the search engine optimization pages so that when a consumer enters a, a keyword search, they find your site. Right. And, and uh, now, is this something that they have to keep working on and making sure that they're being optimized on a regular basis? 
Absolutely. <laughs> it's a, a never-ending chase. Right. Um, yeah, you know, algorithms change. Um, new filters come into place. New players are, are launched. Um, I mean, my guess is that uh, Google and Yahoo and MSN and Ask are all doing essentially the same thing, which is you know, consumer enters a, a keyword search and they receive results, but the type of results they receive is going to be very different because the individual algorithms... Uh, and bots from these companies are looking at different factors. They're all looking at some of the same factors, but each has their own unique twist because they want to be known as the one that's providing the most quality, the most relevant results in their engine. And they're also combating spam and so on. Right, right. And I, I think that there's a lot of pu- there's a few publishers um, that I know that we've worked with that are very, very good at this and keep it, keep up to date, and they've built specific sites for um, advertisers or for pr- particular products. I know there's a bunch for eBay. Right, exactly. And actually, this is a good point, too, because uh, how are search engine optimizers different than content sites? Well, generally speaking, the search engine optimizers are building sites specifically for a particular advertiser or a type of product or, um, or in a keyword space. And so they might be developing uh, a keyword list uh, that consumers are searching on, you know, individual keywords of thousands and thousands of terms and then building thousands and thousands of, of pages in order to attract traffic to each of those pages so they can get, cover, um, they can build the, the, the biggest net to capture as much traffic as possible. Right. Um, and from an advertiser perspective, the SEOs are a very attractive publisher model because, as you said, they're, they're driving a tremendous amount of volume uh, especially to you know, programs like eBay and so on. I'm sure everyone listening to this program has done a search and seen eBay listed somewhere in their results. Um, but I would imagine one of the main reasons that advertisers really like these programs is because the search being performed is really far down, uh, they call it the tail of the keyword market, which is getting people closer to the buying process than, uh, than with other models. Right. I think we should probably um, talk about uh, paid search because I think that's where most most folks associate search search with is is someone going on and buying a key, buying a keyword and then directing the traffic to the you know a particular advertiser site. Exactly. Yeah. So take the concept of SEO where you've developed your site, you know what the the, the market is that you're you're trying to um, attract consumer traffic to. Um, chances are you've developed a keyword list of searches that are performed by consumers in order to find the product or service that you're, you're promoting. The concept of paid search is to take those keywords and to work with programs like Google AdWords and uh, Yahoo Search Marketing and MSN's upcoming um, paid search engine. I forget what they call it. I'm sorry, MSN. Give me a call if you want. Um, but the concept is they'll take those keywords and build ads around each keyword and then bid for placement in Google, in MSN, and Yahoo to have their ads shown or triggered whenever a consumer enters in a keyword search. So if you enter in a search for eBay guitar and you've built, or you have, you have eBay guitar as a keyword on your list and you've built an ad for it, you're bidding X amount of pennies or dollars so that your ad is shown in the, in the hopes that a consumer clicks through your ad and ends up buying a guitar on, on eBay. Right. And the, the magic number or the magic word there is, is arbitrage. You want to be able to buy the clicks 
for a lower cost than uh, you're receiving in commissions. Right, and I, I this is this is one that I I know is also sometimes can be very contentious with uh, advertisers as well, um, especially when it, it surrounds a brand. Um, we could probably have an entire show just talking about search and um, the <laughs> the issues around search. Um, but I know we don't, we don't have a lot of time, so we should probably quickly move on to uh, paid inclusion. Right. Talk about, about two minutes. <laughs> Maybe sometime we'll have people uh, come back and we have a nice discussion I about branding. I think we branding, should, have a, I think we should it, do that. <laughs> it's a contentious issue. There's pros and cons. But, um, I, I, paid agree. Inclusion, I agree. <laughs> last but not least here, um, first of all, Yahoo is, as far as I'm aware, is the only um, engine that allows paid inclusion. But the concept is that... Um, the publisher is paying uh, a flat fee to a search engine in order to be included in an index uh, so that when a consumer performs a search on a particular keyword, that publisher's website is included somewhere in the index. But the catch is there's no guarantee that uh, your website is actually going to appear higher than others in, in the list. And so. Um, paid inclusion has its place if you want to ensure that every page of your site is included in an index. Um, there are, however, probably other methods to to ensure that occurs. Just as sort of just as we talked about the SEO and um, and paid paid search, probably are, uh, will do a little bit better than paid inclusion now. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, from from my perspective, a, a good publisher uh, is one that mixes up their tools. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to rely 100% on organic SEO. They're not going to reply, or rely 100% on um, paid inclusion or, or, or PPC. They're going to do all of the above. Because organic SEO is going to take, you know, it, it takes some time to get the pages built, to get indexed, and then to get ranked well enough that you're receiving click-through traffic. PPC, however, you can turn the flow on fairly immediately. It may have some immediate um, high costs to, to, to get established. And then paid inclusion, of course, like I said, is, is going to include your pages in the index without any guarantee of click-through traffic. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I think did do we a lot have of to uh, actually play some commercials now so that uh, we can pay for all this. So we are going to wrap for a couple minutes, uh, listen to our sponsors, and then we will be back talking about a couple of our advanced topics. So stay tuned. You're just minutes away from more Affiliate Marketing Today. Stay tuned. Once a tool used exclusively for communicating with the media, PR Web was the first company to develop a distribution strategy around direct-to-consumer communication by implementing Web 2.0 technologies. PR Web has completed the online communication loop by directly engaging your audience with your news. For example, PR Web is the first newswire to integrate press release trackback. Whether you want to dominate your market or just make a little noise, PR Web is here to help. You thrive in the marketplace and the media. PR Web. For the last decade, millions of visitors seeking top ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a 
tailored solution to meet your internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Now, back to Affiliate Marketing Today, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. All right, welcome back to Affiliate Marketing Today. Your co-hosts are Kim Dalzell and Brian Caldwell from Commission Junction. Uh, We've been talking about, uh, today we've been talking about publisher models, and we've reviewed a couple different models um, in the past two sessions on um, we've talked about, and now we're going to move on to sort of an advanced, more advanced topic or advanced publisher models. And um, I think I had said in the last segment that uh, these tend to be a little bit more scary for advertisers. Uh, so I, I think we need to sort of dispel some myths and talk about why they, uh, they really aren't as scary as they sometimes sound. So the first one I wanted to talk about is ad networks. So, Brian, I don't know if you want to uh, jump in. I my experience with ad networks is, is usually it's usually a group of websites that um, the it, you know usually it has one name and then there's a bunch of ad, of websites that fall under that one particular um, site and they're yeah. driving additional traffic for them. Yeah, that, that's actually the the best description I think of ad networks. It's succinct, right? It's a collection of sites owned by the same publisher. Right, as opposed to a collection of sites owned by multiple publishers. Right. And which is what we're going to talk about next. Next. But um, I think one of the great things about about ad networks uh, is that a single publisher, in this case, really controls um, the the traffic flow across a, a number of sites because they have a, a large number of sites. They have tremendous reach, and they can negotiate uh, with advertisers and really turn on traffic immediately uh, across a, a very broad uh, variety of, of sites, as I said. And the sites may be across different types of content. So going back to content like sites, like, as we said earlier, we take that concept of a single content site and aggregate that together, and voila, we've got an ad network that uh, can deliver a large number of of, of impressions, clicks, and uh, conversions. So an, an example would be like an AOL, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, AOL or, or CNN or uh, you know, Sports Illustrated or any, anything along those lines is considered uh, an ad network. So um, when, when publishers are, you know, publishers like that are, are looking for advertisers, they're, they're looking for pretty much anybody, right? They don't, they're not really specific because, well, I guess, I guess a Sports Illustrated would be more specific, but an AOL is probably really looking for anybody. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, because they have so many sites and they have so, so much traffic flowing through those sites, they, need, they have inventory that they need to fill. I mean, the whole idea is that for any consumer visit and any page reload, the consumer is going to receive an ad and hopefully a relevant ad to either the content or the type of search that consumer is doing or the type of content that they're reading. And in order for uh, the site uh, or the ad network to, to collect fees, they have to be delivering those advertising uh, offers all the time. And hence, they don't want to leave any you know, what's called remnant inventory laying around because that doesn't earn them any revenue. Uh, so if they're really not that picky about the type of advertising offers that they're running. I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, they need to, they want to earn as much money as possible. So 
there's always a give and take uh, at networks. You're always looking for the most money possible, but they don't always get it, and they have this, this uh, excess inventory where they have prime inventory, and they're always trying to maximize the ROI they're receiving from that. And I think you know that's, that's from a publisher standpoint. From an advertiser standpoint, there's there's pros and cons as well. And I, I can think one that I've heard often is that ads kind of run blindly across the network. Right. They don't know. Sometimes they don't know where they're where they're running, and that that can be that can be a especially if you're a very brand ca- brand conscious advertiser, that can be a problem. Right. So that that I mean that's that's one of the things you have to pros and cons you have to weigh when you're you're looking at an ad network. Like right. That. But, it, but if you're you know, a, a good publisher, you're going to be able to present an advertiser with a compelling case to advertise with you, such as, I don't know, coordinating uh, a, a targeted campaign based on demographics across dozens or hundreds or, or even or even thousands of sites. And again, that, that comes down to reach. So the ad le- networks are a very large lever point for an advertiser that wants to reach an audience quickly. Mm-hmm. And I and I believe that you know some of the publishers that I've worked with, they do give the advertiser the ability to run in like a specific category or something like that. So they, it, it's not really being blind, I guess. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So really, um, I mean, the ad- types of advertisers or offers that are going to do best in an ad network uh, tend to have really broad consumer appeal. So again, you know, phone service or um, music, you know, very very broad uh, types of, of concepts. As opposed to, as opposed to what um, I don't know, selling kids books. Right. That's a fairly, you know, fairly focused type of an offer. Right. Well, I think we should talk about um, sub affiliate networks because I think there's a sometimes when you say ad networks, sub affiliate networks are thrown in under them. Yeah. Meaning <laughs> sort of the same thing, and they're really not. Yeah, that, that's a, <laughs> thank you for saying that. It's it's kind of a pet peeve of mine because ad networks are. are are similar in one sense to sub-affiliate networks, and that's the leverage point or the lever that uh, can be pulled. A sub-affiliate network is also going to have access to a, a very large number of sites and or you know, user traffic at the end of the day. But the primary difference is that a sub-affiliate network is really a, a two-tiered publisher model. So uh, in, in the sense of how we would work with them, we would work, uh, we being Commission Junction, of course, or the CJ Marketplace, would work with a master publisher. That's what I call them. Super uh, affiliate? A super affiliate, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then that that master publisher or super affiliate is then working independently, i.e. without my help, to sign up publishers under them. Kind of like multi-level marketing in a sense. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a, that's <laughs> so, a good example. <laughs> right. And so, you know, that's actually a good thing, too, because... In a way, a sub-affiliate networks provide super diversification, right? Because right, and, they, and they're, because they're able to get all different types of types of affiliates. Whereas in the ad networks that we just described, they're really limited to just just their particular network. Right. That, that's um, a good. Yeah, exactly. Ad networks are very um, content site focused, and sub-affiliate networks can have a large number of different publisher models un- under the second tier. Um, and you know there, there are pros and cons here as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the the sub affiliate networks, just like ad networks, tend to be a bit of a black box. And you know, due to the variety of different publisher models that are inherent to a sub affiliate network, that sometimes, and that combined with the black box nature, can sometimes really make uh, an advertiser a bit nervous. Mm-hmm. And so, what I always try and do when I'm working with a sub affiliate is coach them to be as um, transparent as possible. 
in, in their network, uh, to be very, very proactive about uh, policing their network. And this is something that network quality from, from Commission Junction will also help with uh, and, and is very active in. Right, and we'll, we'll be talking about that in a future show as well. Exactly, yeah. So stay tuned for a network quality discussion. But I, you're, you're right. I, I, advertisers do shy away from sub-affiliate sub networks um, a lot of times because, because of the opaqueness of them. And I know us at Commission Junction have, have been striving with the help of the publisher team to get them to be a little bit uh, more transparent. Exactly. So and, you know, one of the things that, um, that makes the sub-affiliate networks and the ad networks a, a black box is the lack of, of tracking of, of the source of the traffic. Uh, so what I always encourage a sub-affiliate network to do, if I can get the words out, is to use uh, a custom parameter in the query string. Okay, here we're using some big scary words, but most I hope people understand what I'm talking about, uh, and that would be to pass the sub-ID number as a parameter. So if with a sub-ID number, then uh, networks can who are policing traffic or advertisers who are concerned about a certain type of traffic have a source to turn back to and can turn back to the sub-affiliate, the master affiliate, and say, hey, uh, we have a problem with sub-ID 123. We need to do something about that, as opposed to turning the sub-affiliate network and say, hey, we have a problem with your network. We don't really know where it is, so we're just going to turn you off. Right, and that's been my experience is they just turn them off and then they lose all that traffic. And, and right. I don't really think the advertiser wants that either. No, not, so not at all. Trying to huge, meet the huge lever point. Why don't we just take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're just minutes away from more Affiliate Marketing Today. Stay tuned. Raising your ad inventory profits to the next level today is as simple as xy7.com, the only affiliate network giving you top payouts daily. Plus, you'll enjoy over 100 fresh high-converting offers, your own xy7.com debit card, good anywhere, and true 24-7 dedicated support. Our affiliate managers even sleep with their Blackberries. So why run your ads anywhere else? Let your site work harder for you today with xy7.com so you won't have to. E-Commerce Marketers, listen up. E-Com Expo, the virtual trade show for search, affiliate, and interactive marketers, is now completely free for all attendees. Imagine all the benefits of a top trade show coming to a PC near you. April 4th through the 6th, more than 7,000 of your peers will be there making it the largest trade show for e-commerce marketers in the world. The entire event is 100% online, virtual, and free. So Register today at www.ecomxpo.com. ClickTracks, all new version 6. Prepare to segment your visitors and build custom reports on the fly with the most comprehensive and intuitive web, web analytics programs on the planet. Dan Noyes, president of Zephoria.com, writes, ClickTracks is like a religion to us. We rarely consult our clients on site or campaign changes without first seeing what ClickTracks reveals. Sign up for your free trial today. Your only risk, you may end up in our next commercial. ClickTracks.com, turning your future into a fortune. <laughs> 
you choose the right affiliate program to partner with? Hey, all we're trying to do is make the most money in the least amount of time. The answer is simple. JoeBucks.com, the world's leading herbal affiliate program. JoeBucks.com is the direct manufacturer, so there's no middleman. This will allow you to make up to 50% the highest payouts on the net and also get paid twice a month. Sign up today and watch your income grow. JoeBucks.com. Now, back to Affiliate Marketing Today, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host. Welcome back to the show. This is Affiliate Marketing Today with Kim Dalzell and Brian Caldwell from Commission Junction. So um, I think we should also talk about, um, with networks, we should talk about media arbitrage. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. The good old media arbitrage angle. Okay. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm letting you go. I'm letting you go with this one first. Oh, thank you very much. You are the publisher side, so you are supposed to do most of the talking on this show. I guess they didn't tell you that. <laughs> I think you did at the very beginning, and I denied <laughs> it. Okay, media arbitrage is really a strategy uh, to um, buy up media. Generally, uh, you're going to be buying on a CPM basis, so a cost per thousand impressions. And driving traffic, and these, these purchases actually can be with ad networks, and in, in a lot of cases are. So it uh, might be FastClick slash ValueClick Media. You know, it's mm-hmm. all one company now, and it's our parent company. I will disclose that. Um, but they have a very large reach into thousands and thousands of websites where uh, the banners are placed on a CPM basis, and you as a publisher can buy that traffic on a CPM basis, um, generally you know, $1, $2 per thousand impressions, and you're driving traffic through the banner to either your site or directly to an advertiser's site in the hopes that you're going to convert enough traffic to make the effort worthwhile. So it's an arbitrage model. You're, you're buying low and you're selling high in a real-time environment, real-time similar, trading environment. similar to have paid search in that manner. Yeah, it's very similar to paid search. So, but paid search, you have a bit more control over placement. Um, you're really uh, you're triggering your ads off of specific keywords, and you're you're able to apply negative keywords. And you know, some of these tools are available from the larger uh, media networks as well. But um, the the primary difference is between cost per click, which is the PPC model, or uh, cost per thousand impressions, which is the media model. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that media arbitrage, it, it seems like advertisers that, that, that like working with ad networks are, are okay with media arbitrage as well. So, um, you know, again, this is another one of those ones where it, it, you really have to have an advertiser that understands what these models mean and um, understands that they can bring them, they could bring them some, you know, some very good revenue. Right, and so you know what makes this attractive uh, to an advertiser is really about additional spend, right? Because you know, you're an advertiser, you're going to have a set budget for your media buys, and if you're interested in getting expanding that budget on a cost um, per acquisition basis or a pay for performance basis, then you want to work with a publisher that's actively doing media arbitrage because they're putting their money at risk uh, with an arbitrage play. Right. I, I think we should uh, move on to another little slightly controversial topic of software applications. This is another one that I think advertisers seem to be uh, sometimes, and I keep using the word scared, but really they, they get nervous when they hear software. 
<laughs> so yeah. we, we briefly talked about it when we spoke about loyalty programs and how some of them have software and that software is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, it, software downloads can typically be just used in, you know, in the model I think we spoke about with you, Promise, where you might, as a consumer, you might want to be reminded that if you go to the Gap online, you want to be able to, to know that you should be able to be, sh- should be shopping through your U-Promise account so that you can gain the money to put into your child's 529 plan. Um, that's that's the, the one that I think consumers are usually okay with and a lot of advertisers are okay with. Yeah, I, that's probably one of the only models that is, is really ap- approved um, by, by the consumers and by the advertisers. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, there are certain publishers out there in the world um, who, by the way, are, are not necessarily active in the CJ marketplace, but um, who take a, a different stance and they really take the approach of we need to get as many consumer actions as possible regardless of the consequences. And, you know, there are some, some bad consequences if you're talking about impacting you know, people's revenues, other publishers' revenues who put, who put together websites that um, ha- have attracted consumer interest based on you know, the hard effort and the sweat and labor of, of that particular publisher, and then along comes a software program that co-ops traffic. And that, that's really not a good thing. Uh, there's no good consumer result as, as, you know, when, when that comes about. So, Yeah, and I think one of the things that Commission Junction has, has um, talked about a lot is making sure that if, it, if there is a software download for the pro- program, um, you know, they, the, uh, the consumer has the ability to, to get rid to uninstall that program and understands how to do it um, and knows that they're downloading. Yeah, those, those, are, the, those are really good points. Um, I mentioned earlier the drive-by, drive-by download concept, and, and really that's the, the act of downloading software to a consumer's PC without their knowledge or consent, and that is absolutely not okay. Um, not okay in, in many, many, <laughs> many reasons. Um, so we really, I, 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 if you're a publisher out there and, and considering going into affiliate marketing and that's what you do, uh, think twice. Right. Or just make sure that you everything can be installed and uninstalled very easily. We don't like drive-bys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I think the, the uh, last one we were going to talk about today was email. Um, email is one that I know we talked about in our last show as being something that uh, a publisher model that was around and then with the can spam laws sort of went away for a little while and now seems to be back and, and doing really well. Um, I know that advertisers seem to like email and it's a low cost and it's effective marketing. Um, I know we talked about having uh, talk, excuse me, talked about one publisher who does specific you know sends out uh, specific I think targeted to specific demographics. Um, so if you want to talk, do you want to talk about that a little bit, Brian? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a couple different models of, of email that are doing really well with affiliate marketing. Uh, one is going to be the solo drop email, which features a specific offer from a specific advertiser and is sent out to a consumer the, uh, that may or may not be associated with that particular publisher in any way, other than through a, maybe a purchased list or a, a, a marketing agreement with another third party. Mm-hmm. And then the other is newsletters, which uh, are generally sent via email featuring offers from a number of different advertisers 
to a member base uh, that's associated directly with a particular publisher. Uh, I believe UPromise would be a good example of, of that. Um, some of the coupon uh, sites uh, do a really good job of, of generating newsletters and, uh, and generating consumer interest and traffic on, uh, and conversions on that side. Um, with the solo drops, it really, they're, you know, they have to be careful uh, because the CAN-SPAM laws are very particular about how you can send email. Um, so these days, you're really talking about um, large lists that are doing, um, they could do big bang launches of emails, i.e. sending out one offer to hundreds of thousands to millions of consumers in one big blast. Uh, or I think what's more effective these days is, kind of, is doing more of a trickle campaign based on what's called autoresponder technology, where consumers are receiving an email that's very targeted to their interest, either demographically or behavioral, behaviorally. <laughs> hard to word, say, huh? isn't it? Uh, and they're receiving a, you know, a very specific offer. <laughs> right, exactly. So it, if they know... Uh, the publisher knows that you're interested, that you're, that you're a mother and you're interested in buying things for your kids, you're going to receive an offer that's specific to that interest and you're going to uh, hopefully get a very high conversion rate. And I, I think the, the, the tests have, have shown that conversion rates are quite high and that email is a fantastic channel uh, as long as you stay CAN-SPAM compliant, i.e. everything's opt-in, there are suppression lists in place, you don't, uh, you don't do spam, you know, that's just a no-no. Right. I, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the opt-out is, an, is one that typically advertisers get upset about. They want to make sure that, it's, that lists are bumped up against their opt-out when they do do an email campaign with an, a specific publisher. So I know that a lot of the publishers are able to do sort of a bump up against their list in, com- in comparison and then give them the, the folks that then opt out again and give it to that specific advertiser at the end. Yeah, it's actually a specific uh, federal requirement to do list scrubs against suppression files. So it, it is quite an important thing. It is policed very, very much uh, at the network level. And you know, we, we here you know, it's at Commission Junction, we're not going to allow relationships to exist between publishers and advertisers when there is a non-compliant um, action going on, especially when it's a federally <laughs> non-compliant action. <laughs> right. Don't want to do that. No, we don't want to. We don't want to do that. Well, you. Um, we also mentioned um, you promise and, and some other loyalty uh, sites who who actually send out email to their their base and they send out uh, emails that have they basically aggregated several advertisers offers onto one email um, and then sent it out to a specific type of demographic, um, which I know a lot of the loyalty pro- programs have the ability to do that. So they can they could send it out if you just want to send it to, you know, soccer moms, you have the ability to do that. Um, and, and then target, the advertiser has the ability to target their actual promotion around those that t- particular demographic. So um, I know we mentioned in our last show that really communication between the advertiser and publisher is really helpful. And this is another reason, because if you're talking to your publishers and understanding what they can do, you can actually market in many different ways. Yeah, that's that's a good point to bring up, because I'd say that email is a much more um, hands-on, advertiser-publisher relationship-based type of marketing than some of the other models that we've discussed today. Mm -hmm. There's uh, exchanging of suppression lists, there's exchanging of creatives, there's, you know, the demographic targeting that you were just speaking of. And I think in, in some cases, those uh, 
publishers that have a really strong membership base and are doing the newsletter approach that you were just talking about can actually demand um, additional payments above and beyond a CPA. So uh, if you think about it, you're laying out a newsletter, you're going to have uh, high priority um, points of interest on that layout. So above the fold, uh, top right, top left corner, whatever it might be. And, and you, know, you might be able to command a, a premium bonus on top of the CPA payout in order for an advertiser to get into that position. Right, and me as the advertiser is going to say, I've got a great brand. It doesn't matter where I am. That's so. true. It <laughs> goes back and forth. That's all, right. It goes know, back and forth. We could, we, <laughs> Ken, we could go back and forth all the time about what advertisers and publish, publishers want more money and advertisers want to, don't want to pay as much. So. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, I think this was a really good show. What do you, yeah, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I think we covered. I think we covered quite a bit today. I think everybody should tune into our show next week, which is going to feature a top ten list uh, for advertisers, uh, just kind of like we did with publishers here. An overview of the publisher model. We're going to get more involved in um, what advertisers are interested in seeing. So I Great. hope you do join us next week. And just remember that if you have any ideas or questions or anything that you want to send to us, please send it to podcasts at cj.com, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at cj.com. And one last note, just remember you can listen to us live as you are right now. You can listen to us via podcast or even on your cell phone with the MobileCast network. Uh, Just go to webmasterradio.fm and you'll find the details there. See you next week. Bye. 